As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Welcome to Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Booney. I'm joined by The Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Good morning, David. Not a bad weekend, all told. Yeah, um, surpassed a few expectations, I imagine. It certainly surpassed my expectations. Uh, We're going to get into that today. Uh, Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all the podcasts for less than £1 a week. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. Sam, the only place really to start with uh, City's win at uh, at Anfield. Uh, Let's get Guardiola's reaction. Uh, this is how we uh, how we spoke about the game afterwards. Well, the most important is the three points. Of course, uh, I'm so proud of the guys. To be the guys who break a record for a long time. That means how difficult it is. Hopefully, next time we can do a good performance or similar performance with the people, with the spectators, because I feel with people and without is completely different. Uh, because I know I could imagine after one-one, what hell could be Anfield and and the, the influence for its players. Um, but yeah, it's good, uh, especially when uh, we miss the penalty and especially when we concede the goal, how good we react in this position. Nobody make a step back, everyone step forward with a huge personality. Raheem Sterling make an incredible game again, like last season has done. What a phenomenal performance has done. And the rest, the quality of the players, <laughs> with a feel especially the second and for goal. But the commitment for everyone, for the guys who didn't play in the stands, supporting the players. So, yeah, three points today. Grateful, happy uh, for this victory, celebrate But to feeds on the grass and thinking uh, Swansea, like I pay attention on Friday when he played against Norwich. And, uh, and I was really impressed how good they are. It's uh, it's a very Guardiola thing, isn't it? To say three points, move on, job done, uh, feet on the ground, sort of thing. Uh, and we'll come to individual performances in a minute, Sam. Um, but first, I mean, look, uh, looking at the bigger picture, is that it now? Is that the title in the bag? If City can win at Anfield, where can't they win? Are you trying to get me to tell you to piss off again? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, no, it's not. The, it's not the title in the bag, but obviously it looks good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was always the thing because it wasn't just Anfield, but it was the fact that you know. 
despite the fact that they'd won all those games, you always had the little voices on Twitter saying, oh, well, it was only Burnley or it was only Sheffield United or whoever. And then it was always like, if City play against a good team and don't win for whatever reason, all you're going to hear about until the next game is, oh, well, they only beat rubbish teams and now we'll see. Um, and I mean, maybe a bit of that would have crept into the dressing room, but I really don't think so. I think that would have been like an external narrative. City were playing well enough. Like, we know this. We talked about that Chelsea game and people were like, oh, it's only one game. I was like, this has been building. And like, that was about six weeks ago now that it was building. It's been building f- nearly two months now. Yeah. Obviously, they've got this um, record equaling run of games, which obviously doesn't include that. The 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 run when they had the penalty victory against Wolves, which is a whole other debate. Um, but yeah, the fact that they've won a, a big game after that run of winnable games and the fact that it's at Anfield. Um, I mean, and like small mention to the three-all draw United and Everton the night before, obviously much earlier in the season, but, you know, a bit like that four-all in 2012. It just, yeah, it was one of those weekends when it feels like, you know, City are pulling away. Yeah. And they probably will, but look, it's Spurs next. And like, <laughs> if, 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 like, obviously, Anfield was like the greatest hoodoo of all, but Spurs, weird things happen against Spurs, man. Just weird things. So oh, only for the last 18 done, months yeah. or so. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know, but like, so weird. Only 18 months, so a short amount of time, but just the weirdest stuff's happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've obviously been flippant with, yeah, with yeah, the title yeah. talk, but like, like, seriously, though, like, who's catching them now? If it, like, the only team no, that I can know. beat City to the title is City's self, isn't it? They can only, they can only implode. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know, like earlier in the season, well, I mean, look, I couldn't, I couldn't see them um, suddenly turning the form around and going as brilliant as they have, you know, if we were talking after the derby. But, so I mean, look, they might they might completely reverse and go awful, but I'd I'm, I'd be much more surprised if they just completely fell apart. Now you know things are in place. The the reason I was surprised, or would have been surprised, about City playing so well after the the first half of the season, was just the fact that they just kept say, trying the same things over and over again. But now they found it, and now De Bruyne has been out, and it's not really made a difference. And you know they've not had a striker; it's not really made a difference. I, Obviously, look, this is kind of tempting fate with something regarding like Diaz getting injured or, or Edison or something. But yeah. Edison didn't even play against Chelsea, did he? Um, no, it was, it was Stefan in goal, yeah. Exactly. So uh, they just look like it would have to be some kind of... Like, was it was that horse that just fell over when it was about to win? Devon Locke. It would I have to be something like that. I can't, that's, a, that's a frame of reference I haven't got, horse racing. Oh, really? Yeah. I know, yeah, it's... I know, I know Ferguson used to say it. But it, I think it was like if you watch, if you Google it, it's like a black and white horse race, so it, and it looks like fifties or sixties or whatever. But it was a horse; it was literally about to win, and it just fell over. It didn't like it didn't like not make a jump or something. It just fell over. <laughs> um, so that, I think that's why that's why it's a good analogy for football. And it's I a good analogy here. That's that is what would have to happen now for City because they just look too strong. Um, but look at the same time, what are the next games? Spurs, Arsenal. Uh, Everton. Everton's been chucked in there. United yeah. soon. So yeah, it's a it's a tough run, but things are looking good. I've just googled that, and uh, the the first image that comes up is a horse with all four legs splayed. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's incredible. Um, People should Google it and have a look at them. Yeah, it's great fun. Uh, so obviously, winning at Anfield. Uh, what does that do for City this season? Now, uh, both mentality wise for City, and uh, I mean even mentality wise for the other teams in the league. Um. Well, I mean, mentality-wise for Liverpool, 
they've got all kinds of things going on. They're losing three times in a row at home, having like not lost there in 68 games. That's something, isn't it? Um, so they've got to deal with that. United, I mean, United have always, like, obviously every team can only focus on themselves anyway, but this was why even like, um, well, even, in fact, I remember doing some TV stuff before this that run of six winnable games for City. And that's why a lot of people, and I was listening out for it for other people in the media who were like United fans talking about United. Everyone was kind of like, don't really think United can actually win it, but, you know, let's hope they do. Not that this is other people talking publicly, certainly not me, of course. Um, this, this is, that was kind of it. People were like, I'm not really sure about United, not sure they've got that consistency. And I think that's always been the case, and that is still the case. Like, they, they might be worried about City. They might be like, oh, God, we're going to have to go and win like 100 games now to win the league. But they're not City from a couple of years ago. They're not Liverpool from a couple of years ago, where both teams just kept winning and winning and winning for the last like three months of the season. Famous last words. I just don't think United have got that in them. They've yeah. got their own things to sort out. So I don't, you know, again, I mentioned that Everton result. But I don't think United's biggest issue waking up on Monday morning would have been, oh, look, City won again. You know, they, they've got their own things to sort out. And then, I mean, do Leicester have it in them? You know, they you know, they low-key drop points again at the weekend. They're obviously a really good side. But if we're talking about Leicester in a title race in 2016 when everyone else was messing around, or Leicester in a title race this season, when it looks like City are certainly not messing around, I don't think they'll have enough. So yeah, the other yeah the other part of that question, who can City? Um, it's not just City imploding; it would have to be who else is going to put a run together to. Because how many games does City have to lose? If we if we're thinking that United and and Leicester and who God knows who else, if Chelsea put a run together under Tuchel, they'll they'll lose games as well. So yeah, there's there's. It doesn't do an awful lot for the other teams, but they've also got their own issues to sort out. Yeah, it's it's kind of you can't like you said before. It's, you kind of get the feeling now it, it needs City to implode, the other teams to put a run together, and maybe even some COVID implications for City as well. In there, yeah. like we can't we can't we, we, the, the one thing I think that is putting off people being a bit more certain about the position City are in is just the unpredictability of of who's going to be available in six, eight, ten weeks' time and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, and I, 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 I understand now to the end of the season. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so I, I do understand that it's uh, it's difficult. You mentioned. Uh, uh, before as well, Sam, about the 14 wins in a row in all competitions. Uh, longest yeah. run of any English side, uh, along joint with uh, Preston and Arsenal. Um, and not just Premier League either, but Football no, League. Yeah, the it's, it's, it's the whole lot. And it's I mean, it's the first time in the Premier League era this has happened. And yeah, well, Preston was like 1800s, wasn't it? And Arsenal yeah. was uh, 33 years ago. Yeah, 87. And if they if they beat Swansea, then that's that, that's that record that's fallen. I seem to remember as well, because obviously we're talking about the 2017-18 run when it was about 20 games, but one of them was obviously the penalty shootout win, which I do count as a win, but obviously it doesn't seem to be being talked about now, so it's a bit of a strange one. But I'm sure they went to Swansea and they needed to beat, would they beat the record or something, or they beat some kind of record at Swansea that season as well. I think, I think that was Bernardo a Premier League. I think that was the Premier League running uh, winning record because they they lost uh, they lost in the build up to the uh, the derby a couple of weeks uh, uh, about ten days earlier uh, because it was the final Champions League group game and uh, it, they were at Shakhtar I think and lost two one. They lost to Shakhtar like four or five days before United. And yeah, United. I can't. I, yeah, actually, I think the Swansea game was the a few days after United because it was at the time when. It all kicked off in the dressing room, didn't it? And there's that famous newspaper graphic of somebody like, <laughs> lobbing, like Edison lobbing a bottle at Mourinho's head or something, which crops up on my timeline probably twice a week. Um, and then I remember at Swansea, you could hear the music. 
you could hear the music in the dressing room and it was just like these lads are not messing around and i was like that was at the time obviously they just beating united it was a kind of similar feeling now you're like well there's so long to go anything could happen but it's looking ominous kind of thing and yeah there's parallels there and i'm sure there'll probably be some music blaring on on Wednesday night in Wales, I'd like to know what the dressing room was like after uh, after Sunday's game. You know what what the uh, away dressing room was like after uh, after winning at Anfield. Well, so yeah, exactly. Like, with that clip you played of Guardiola, it was kind of quite downbeat and playing things down. But Christ, like they'd have he in particular, but the players would have they'd have loved that. And like just everything that's happened at Anfield as well. You know, going back to the 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 coach before the Champions League game and all that kind of stuff. Like that that would mean a hell of a lot to him. Yeah. And like, obviously, like. With Bernardo's infamous guard of honour thing, you know, you, you know the feeling of some of the players towards Liverpool. So, yeah, yeah, they'd have enjoyed that. Well, like I say, we're going to get into the individuals shortly. Let's get into the mechanics of of, of how City went about winning that game to start with, uh, because it's it's very easy to look at that game and say that Liverpool just imploded. There were two errors from Allison. Um, City did force that onto the uh, onto them in the end uh, but there was a rather neat cute little tactical change that Guardiola made to stop um, the, the fullbacks getting forward uh, I saw uh, City Tactics on Twitter talking about this uh, yesterday um, and just that, those little in-game bits of management that maybe we don't always see from Guardiola he got yeah, that one yeah. absolutely bang on yeah um, I mean I, I suppose arguably you could say the, the first half setup didn't really work too well um, although obviously if City had scored that penalty, and like, oh god, I was, I was genuinely livid at half time. <laughs> I walked into the kitchen because my wife was feeding Leo because obviously I had to work, and I just went, they're an effing joke. Like, what? I was just so like, what is the matter with them on penalties, uh, especially against Liverpool? Um, obviously, it didn't matter in the end, but I was so annoyed. Like, they missed, lads. they missed five of nine in the Premier League last season. They've missed three of six this season. Yeah, and there's also that stat of they've missed. Four of the penalties they've missed haven't hit the target at all, and three of them have been against Liverpool. Lads, what are you doing? Um, somebody meant like I'm not, I'm not. It doesn't. It ultimately doesn't matter too much now, but it's a bit like the bad finishing thing, where one day it'll probably, you know, they might need that penalty. Or, I mean, God forbid, if a Champions League game goes to a shootout. Edison, was gonna, Edison is going to have to take one in the shootout. Like there, well, there can be no argument against that. Well, I mean, I was going to play. I was going to save this for later on in the show, but uh, since we're talking about it now, um, Guardiola was asked about uh, Edison. Uh, he's been asked about it time and again because uh, last season he was uh, obviously the the penalty misses thing became a thing. Uh, he was asked about it then, and he said Edison's the best taker at the club. Uh, maybe we'll give it to him. Uh, this is what he said after uh, the game at Anfield. It was a half joke before oh, when I come in this. Uh... Six months ago, it was a joke. Now it's a half joke. <laughs> I will consider it is a will not be a joke and it will be a taker. So, yeah, we we don't have a real specialist in this in this area. Uh, like for example, Salaris, he's so in this kind of games and no kind of stages, miss a penalty, punish you a lot. Fortunately, today we can uh, turn over, but uh, yeah, we have to talk about. Uh, about that issue because I I am still thinking that Kevin is a fantastic taker and uh and Gundo is a fantastic taker too. And um and uh what I want is the guy who takes the personality, I'm going to take a penalty and going to score a goal. This is what I want. So there we go. Guardiola's reaction. Do you sense that Edison is creeping up the list though? <laughs> uh no. <laughs> it, it ain't gonna happen. Not for the same reasons it wasn't gonna happen last year. Like it, this you know, this is a man who spent well about 18 months trying to 
to different threat levels. You know, trying to deal with City getting done on the counter attack. He's not going to put his goalkeeper at 100 yards out of his goal. Um, 40 is enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we were talking about the tactical change. And yeah, in the first half, there wasn't an awful lot going on. Um, City didn't look too threatening. You know, that run from Sterling kind of led to the penalty and it would have been like a good result going in at half time. But obviously Guardiola would have felt the need to change things anyway. Um, but yeah, it you know, bringing the wingers a bit deeper obviously stopped the fullbacks, the, the Liverpool fullbacks getting forward quite so much. And um, Gundogan like, kind of dropped in a bit to help out and Bernardo pushed up. But obviously Gundogan was still getting in the box, crucially for those goals. And um, Guardiola wasn't, now, the the interesting thing, and I'm sure when I tweeted about this, and if people listen to it now, they might worry that Guardiola's doing that thing that he did with Sane. Because, obviously, in a press conference, after a game like that, an individual performance like that, the manager is going to be asked, and what do you think of so-and-so? And obviously, on this occasion, it was Foden. But he spent about, I don't know, a minute, two minutes, talking about how he needs to understand the game better and he needs to understand his positions a bit better um which for me is just a sign of well this is Guardiola this is like the ultimate um kind of perfectionist but also the key thing for me is Foden will respond brilliantly to that like Guardiola said he goes I'm pretty sure he's a guy who loves playing football so he will improve and that's it you know Foden hearing that and obviously he would have been told it as well I mean maybe there's an, an, a small element of Guardiola thinking if I say this publicly he might really listen because Earlier in the season, Foden wouldn't have played that game, not just not really through any fault of his own, but just because Guardiola was clearly thinking. I don't think Guardiola trusted him again, not really through Foden for any fault of Foden's. Foden was just very forward thinking earlier in the season at a time when City just weren't. City were obviously very stodgy, and that's why he didn't play. I think against Liverpool and United, and he didn't get brought on either. Um, so it goes to show now how forward-thinking City of being and how much Foden fits into that that he played um, but I, I think Guardiola was probably probably just trying to round the message home a bit but it, like I'm, I'm kind of just putting this out there so people don't think it's another signing situation like Foden will respond brilliantly to that and he will make sure he listens and maybe it takes him a, you know for whatever reason maybe it's taking him a bit longer you know one thing that came up whenever I um, spoke to people who like coached him when he was younger or saw him play when he was younger was everyone seemed to say, you know, he's almost better when you don't give him any instructions. You just let him go out there and do what he wants. And I, I was always thinking, that doesn't really work for a Guardiola team. <laughs> like, that's that's the last thing you want to hear. Like, that's good, talking about how technically and, like, instinctively good a, a player is. And obviously Foden was, has been brilliant throughout his like, life. He's always stood out. But I was like, for a Guardiola team, how's that going to work? So obviously there's these few little tactical details that he still wants to... Um, drill into him and that's why he moved him around a bit in the second half um, you know how you know that's why Bernardo pushed forward a bit to help want to help him out but just go alongside him and just change the shape a bit and obviously when he was in a bit of a wider position and a bit more advanced um, you know he, he made the difference and in the first half he he didn't do too much I thought he was pushed off the ball quite easily and just looked a bit lost and just like because you know Fabinho is massive but then in the second half, when things changed around, you know, he outran Fabinho for that. Fabinho got a yellow card and yeah. he just looked much brighter and obviously had a hand in so many of the goals. Um, but yeah, it's, I just thought it was interesting to bring up that point that Guardiola made about how he, he said he's got like an incredible huge margin to improve, which like if it was any other player, like if it was Sane, you'd think, God, this is a proper, 
sort yourself out message. But I think it's just because, you know, he trusts Foden and he knows he will sort it out. But maybe he's thinking, come on, kid, the sooner the better. Yeah, I've got, well, I've come armed from uh, the press conference, as you can probably tell. So I've actually yeah. got uh, Pep's comments about Foden. Uh, let's have a listen to them. Yeah, the first half, we struggled a lot to, to find him. He was not in the position he should be. That's why we struggled a little bit to, to find him. Uh, when playing in the middle, sometimes he has some difficulty to understand what he has to do in the place where he has to move. Right now, he's moving perfectly <coughs> in the sides as a winger. And of course, the second and fourth goal were outstanding, phenomenal, and uh, because the quality is there. But we cannot forget, he's just 20, 21 years old, have an incredible, huge margin to improve. And I know he's a guy who is so calm, he's so, he, he stay in the position he has to stay, he want to learn, he loves to play football, and I'm pretty sure he will improve. I still had the feeling he has a margin to understand the game a little bit better. And the rhythm he plays as a winger is completely rhythm he has to play when playing in the middle. And he has a little bit time to 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 improve it. Yeah, and especially the mentality, the fact that maybe I'm playing bad, I'm not, not much in touch with the ball, I am in that position, and he's always focused and he knows he has the feeling always he can do something close to the box. Uh yeah, we are lucky, you know, for our Manchester City fans, for our people to have a guy for the academy that who loves Man City, grew up in our academy and, and grew up supporting and being fun, was a ball boy uh, for us and became already a, a top, top football player for us is a, is a joy. I think it's interesting, Sam, what, what you say about uh, Foden and, and kind of mentality-wise, because I, like, the one thing I do get from him is that it, it, it's almost like he idolises being coached by Guardiola, that he'll take, he will take all this on board. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's just what he's like anyway. And if it was any manager... You know, if it was Stuart Pearce saying that, it'd it'd want to it'd want to improve, um, but it's just it's Guardiola, isn't it? Like I don't think like obviously some players in the world over over the years have been like, well, I'm I'm big enough and good enough to not need to do what this guy wants me to do. But you know, they've been in a minority and you know they've gone and done other things. The vast majority of players, you know, people like Xavi and Xabi Alonso, who you know were kind of achieving stuff before he came along. And so many players think, God, this guy's amazing. But when you're a kid, it was 16 when he had first met Guardiola and a City lad. And he's like, he's a nice, humble lad, like still. But when he was going in, like he can't help but have been starstruck. And like, I need to listen to this guy because of who he is. But like, the bloke's a genius anyway. So when you've got those two elements of the vast majority of big stars listen to him, because he knows exactly what he's talking about. And 16-year-old shy lad who's got the chance to make it not just as boyhood club, but as boyhood club who are winning trophies left, right and centre. Of course, yeah, he's, it's it's the golden ticket. He's absolutely going to listen to to everything. I just wonder, actually, if the reason Guardiola said it publicly is maybe because he's been probably trying to drill it into him for about six months now. And maybe it's taken him a little bit of time. But, you know, like like he said, he's 20, he's 20 years old and he... And he wants to learn. And also, like, there was also loads of praise in that. Yeah. He, when he said it, you know, he's mo- he's moving perfectly on the sides when he's a winger. For Guardiola to say that, like, he's, again, so on the the flip side of that coin of him being 20 years old, he's already playing perfectly how Guardiola wants in the front three, which is mad because, you know, he always came through as a midfielder. So, yeah, just a little uh, adjustment. But, you know, this is it. Like, 
it's been it feels like it's been a long path building up to now if you remember when people were really pissed off you know some city fans were really pissed off that he didn't play in the final games of the 17 18 season when the t- trophy was won he was 17 then and people wanted him to play all the time and obviously i would have wanted him to play a bit more as well but it's mad now you just think he's 17 and like yeah. now he's he's 20 you can't you can't expect everything to be perfect and it's it's already so good it's like 103 games for city now or whatever it is how many goals? Twenty-five goals is he yeah, got now? 20, is it, is, is, is that blast on Sunday was his twenty-fifth? Yeah. So like, he's just—he's so good already, and like, the things he has to learn are things that watching we would never really think of. Oh, this is the level he's at already. The things he needs to learn are like ult- ultimate Guardiola mega mind kind of thing. Yeah. Like he's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, he is already, but Christ, imagine him. In, like, like I say, four years ago, people wanted three years ago, people wanted him to play. Imagine him in another three years. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I, I think it's a mark of how far he's come as well in, in the last few months, given that, like as you were talking before about him, uh, maybe not being trusted to, to not be as expansive as he wants to be in the in the big games and where City are now and that he's the, the sort of player to do that. But also the fact that, you know, in these big games, first off, you know, this time last year, he probably wouldn't have started. You know, if he had started, he certainly wouldn't have finished the game. And look at where we are now. Yeah, um, Again, it's it's just like it's been like a journey, hasn't it? It's a path, like because I mean, in fairness, this time last year he did start in the derby at Old Trafford just before just before lockdown. Um, no, lockdown, I'm, yeah. yeah I've, I, I'm skewed a bit by my timings of seasons, but no, let's go eighteen months or so. Yeah, you, but you no, know, no, you know no, what no, I mean, you're right? No, but even even so, like it it changes. Like it depends on the state of the team. Like he didn't he played in that game. He didn't do particularly well, but the team didn't do particularly well. It was an awful performance, as far as I can remember. Um, but then he didn't, you know, he didn't play in some of the games this season. But then, if you think back to nearly two years ago, he did play against Spurs in that 2019 game. So it's almost—it's like Guardiola gave an interview with Sky at the weekend, and I think this is another example of it. When he was like, "Look, whatever worked last season in football does doesn't necessarily work this season, and what's working this season might not work next season." And it's it's similar to what I was saying the other week about how we read too much into stuff that's already happened. You know, because Guardiola needed a sabbatical eight years ago, it doesn't mean that he needs one now. It doesn't mean that he needed one when he left Bayern. Um, these these things can be latched onto a bit too easily. And it's a bit like that with Foden. Just because he played against Spurs that time doesn't mean he's going to be the right man for the next game. Like I saw a tweet yesterday like, oh, I'm not sure Aguero would have been dropped to the bench at Anfield. I was like, well, he was dropped to the bench um, for Jesus. Was it in the nil-nil? When Mara's missed the pen a couple of seasons ago, things like things change all the time, and especially with 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 Foden, like he's so young, and like earlier in the season he didn't play in those big games, I think, because you know Guardiola has been really cautious. The, the football was not good, like, and, but you put Foden in it, and he was always trying to run forward and play passes forward when everyone else was just kind of 
keeping it between them and knocking it around. It wasn't fun to watch. It was like the situation changes a lot, um, and that and that's just how it is. Um, but you're right. The most telling thing I think is, yeah, like even the West Brom game a few a few weeks ago, the first game when they really tried to attack after the derby. He was the only sub, like, I think attacking sub at least, that came off and he was getting pushed around a bit. And like I say, even in the first half yesterday, he was being pushed around a bit. But the way he finished it, just like proper world beater. And Guardiola again in that clip said, you know, the mentality, he said he might have been thinking he was playing bad and not touching the ball, but he had that mentality to come out second half and do what he did. I just... I mean, look, I don't know if he's going to go and start all the big games now because maybe he's going to want something different. But I mean... I don't know. If I mean, for me, he'd have to play. Whatever he does with him in that front three, you'd have to play him. And I mean, I'm sure you will. I mean, maybe now we have got takeoff. Maybe now he will. Maybe now this is the time when he plays all the time. But maybe because he's still kind of, you know, he's not small. He's obviously a strong lad and, he, and he's and he's fit and he's bulked up a bit. But, um, you know, just physicality-wise and the fact that he is still only 20, maybe they will want to protect him a bit. But yeah, next time a big game rolls around, we'll probably see him. And it just so happens that there's one at the weekend. <laughs> there's one at the weekend for the next six weeks or so, isn't it? It feels yeah. like. Uh, uh, let's look at uh, Bernardo Silva because um, he's someone else that, that seems to have sprung back into life in the last few weeks, uh, possibly a little bit longer than that as well. Um, what's what's changed for him? Is it, is it, like, is it simply like more energy and 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 kind of just a lot more going right for him in his performances. I don't know. I mean, like the kind of headline grabbing, well, the head, the big attention grabbing headline would be, he's better without De Bruyne, which would be like, oh God, like, how's this going to work? But I, I do think there's something in that. I think probably, a, a, I don't know, a more accurate way to put it is just that he's probably better in that role where De Bruyne plays. So, I mean, God knows where he's going to play next year when Messi wants to play there as well. <laughs> when, uh, when Messi? When Messi? <laughs> yeah, I was just doing my Guardiola sarcasm thing. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, think, I do think that's a huge part of it. Like, because, again, Guardiola was asked about it recently and he gave the answers that, you know, I've been able to... I've, not, I've, I've always felt like I've never been able to put my finger on it other than he was absolutely knackered after 2018-19, which was kind of went into last season. And then the team was... You know, everything was just a big snowball last season, as we've said so many times. There was no major disaster last season. It was just they couldn't get off the ground, which is a bit like what Liverpool are having now. They, you know, they just couldn't get going and confidence was here. That Spurs game, the two-all at the start of the season, that didn't help them. And then they kept having these setbacks and injuries and stuff. Um, missed, lost a few games and the confidence, it just never built. And then obviously November time was when Bernardo got... Um, got the ban for the Mendy tweet. And, you know, Guardiola said that recently, you know, that really affected him. And, you know, I've, you know that's something I've written over the last, well, it's more than a year now. Um, it did affect him. But I think, so, number one, knackered. Number two, confidence slash head gone after the Mendy thing. And three, same thing as everything, and this ties into Rodri, which we will go back to. Who in that team was playing well last season, really? It was only De Bruyne who's just phenomenal, who would actually like, be able to drag City through a game. When that, I've said this so many times last season, I stand by it now and I stand and I, I say it's the same thing now. They're all fantastic players. And in this Guardiola system, they look even better than they are because they're just doing stuff continuously that they're good at and they're in positions to be doing stuff that they're good at and they enjoy doing and they're good at doing. And that's why they're looking so good at the moment. And that's why... 
inverted wingers look shit at the start of the season because they weren't getting the ball in good areas. They weren't getting it quickly enough. It's why the double pivot looks shit and Gundogan looks shit and Rodri looks shit because everything was tied to how the whole team were playing and they just weren't playing well. And for Bernardo Silva, that's exactly the same. He wasn't feeling good individually and collectively there wasn't much for him to tap into. So he could run around a bit and also you know, he could run around a bit and he'd have the odd like decent game kind of revival earlier in the season. But... It wasn't the perfect opportunity for good players to become great or great players to become super great or world-class or whatever that we're kind of seeing now. So it's just kind of little elements like that. I don't think there was any major drama behind the scenes. Like I say, tired, head gone, and just playing in a team that wasn't really clicking. Now, I mean, look less tired, it seems. Head's in the right place, which will be helped by the fact that he's in his best position in a team that's playing perfectly and you know Guardiola's as soon as Guardiola said okay right we're doing this and we're attacking they all look great again which yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about Rodri now but the thing when I wrote about Rodri early in the season and it was kind of I'm not sure about this guy that's the only time I think I've ever written about a City player and said I'm not sure about this guy despite knowing that Guardiola loves him and I was still thinking like I know this I know he's so important for this team but I still don't really get it but the one thing I did always say was they, and I've said this, I've, I've beaten this drum to death, but when they signed him, they were like, okay, well, he's going to need time to adapt because he's not that good when he's isolated and he needs time to learn when to press up and, you know, try and win the ball back and when to stand off. And obviously, as I said throughout last season, because of the issues with, you know, Sane not playing and not being able to sustain attacks, the pressing dropping off a bit, Fernandinho going into the defence, he those weaknesses were exploited game after game. So everything he didn't like doing, he was having to do more often, which is something I've said all the way throughout. And even when I was like, I'm not sure I get it, I was kind of sympathetic towards him because I was like, I'm not sure he's a good fit for this team and how they want to play. Because they bought him to play in a team which is dominant. You know, if we're thinking about the end of the 2018-19 season, that's when they bought him. They wanted to slot him into that with everything working perfectly. And they could have, you know, they could have used his progressive passes and his blocking off of passing routes and it would have worked. But the way the last 18 months had gone, that wasn't what he was in. So I felt sorry for him in the sense that it didn't work and he, he was not his strengths were not being played to and he couldn't contribute to what the team needed either. It was a bad match. Yeah. That's all on record. So I'm, I'm quite comfortable with that. Now, as I just said about Bernardo, it's a brilliant match. He's not being isolated as much and it's not just the defensive side of the game, which obviously he will have improved on over the last 18 months just because you know if you do it long enough, you'll get better at it. So he's better when he needs to do it, but he's doing it less often because, you know, Guardiola and the team have fixed that counter-attacking problem. He's not being isolated so much. But also just attacking-wise, the amount of sideways passes he was playing, which I highlighted earlier in the season, he was still doing a lot of progressive passes kind of relative to how much he had the ball. And the sideways passes were kind of, I suppose, a function of what the team needed to do. But like I said earlier, when you've got the inverted wingers and the double pivot looking probably swore too much earlier, but when when it was looking so stodgy and dull, it was a kind of team instruction. That's how they were asked to play. Now when he gets the ball, he looks up, he's got Gundogan running into space, he's got Cancelo coming inside, he's got Bernardo Silva, or he's got De Bruyne, um, he's got Foden now dropping off the front line, he's got so many options. So defensively, he's helped out. Attacking-wise, he's got more options, and I'm not, I'm not just saying he's only good because he's in a good team. I'm saying the team suits him much better now and his own natural ability, that technical ability which everyone looked at and liked and said, this guy's clearly a player, 
that's come to the fore now. So the same as everybody else is much better individually and collectively. Like it, that's why he looks so good, in my opinion. Well, there was a point earlier in the season. I think it might even have been as uh, as early as the Leeds game, uh, where the, the one all draw, um, where I, I I think after that performance, that that I think that was the game where I'd I'd, I'd said to a few friends, look, I honestly wouldn't be disappointed if this guy never played for us again. Like that, okay. that's that's yeah. the stage it had got to where I just didn't see it. I didn't get it. Mm. Um, well, that's that, that's a great game to use because that is not a Rodri game. Well, exactly. Well, but, it's not but, a City game, obviously, as Guardiola said. They're not a yeah. team to play 40, 50 metres. But Rodri, no. You don't You don't want him chasing five or six blokes counter-attacking like, like, like animals. Like well, there was, yeah, there, there was a moment in there where I think he tried He, he tried to make the... There's a dreaded phrase, sorry for everybody listening to this, but he tried to make the tactical foul. And mm. it was about two like two or three attempts that he made, and it finished with Leeds ending up. couldn't do it. It yeah. couldn't do it. It finished with Leeds blazing a shot over the bar from the edge of the box. And I was, and it, like, I remember thinking, if that was Fernandinho in that position, even at the age he is now, then it either finishes with Fernandinho having the ball or Leeds having a free kick. There was no, there was no other scenario there. And I remember thinking that maybe maybe Rodri just is not suited to to how City want to play and how Guardiola is going to Prem, ask him to play. Prem not suited to you. Yeah, pal. Prem not suited to you, pal. <laughs> um, and like we look where we are now with him, and like quietly over the last few weeks, he is he has been so good at breaking up play and stepping in and using his body to step in and and, and just you know to take the ball before it becomes a problem, and. You know, I've got to admit, I'm, you know, my tummy's full of humble pie. I can't like he—he he fits how City want to play right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah, that's exactly it. Like he's improved individually, so when he has to do that defensive stuff, he's better off. But also, it's—it's it's, again, it's—it's it's a collective thing. You know, I, there was a point in the first half at Anfield where I tweeted about it. Uh, Liverpool, I think they got the ball back on the edge of their own box, and they managed to get the ball about ten yards up the pitch. But as soon as they got it, I can't remember who got it. it uh, Salah dropping deep, maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe it was Curtis Jones. There were four or five City players around him straight away. And I think it's just that positional element that Guardiola's talking about where they're they're walking, they're not running, you know, they're they're organized, they're in the right place. And I I just think that so when he has to do the the counter-attack stopping tackles and interceptions, he's better at that individually. But also, you know, the team are there to help him. And he's yeah, just he's just just better suited all around. Like and that's why they're all so good. That's that's why you know, De Bruyne is amazing. And if De Bruyne played for Arsenal or Man United, he'd get the scary numbers anyway, because that's just how good he is. But put him in a team like City that like really, really works. Yeah. Then that's why he's like, you know, one of the best players in the world. And that's why all, like Gundogan, like it, I've, I've, I've laboured the point too often, but Gundogan has always done his job. And the way the, the way the Gundogan kind of takes exception, every time he does an interview now, I think he did another one on Sunday. When they ask him about his goals, he's he basically just tells them to shut up. And he's like, look, I've always done my job, but I've not, you know, my job wasn't always to score goals. And I've said, I've made this point earlier in the season when he was part of the double pivot and all of that. He was still doing his job because when I wrote that article last summer about how, you know, he's got Pauzer and he, you know, he's a, he's a control midfielder and he gets the ball and he gives it. And, you know, those old Guardiola columns that I wrote about recently and how important that all that is. That's always been so important to a Guardiola team. It's just now... He's getting forward into the box as well. So he's always done his job, but now his job is a bit more eye-catching. And it's just all the players are being asked to do stuff that suits them. And I suppose even, 
yesterday, you could probably say it was more Foden's fault that he didn't get his his instructions right. But in the first half, he didn't look good because he wasn't getting his, his instructions right. Because I guess now at the moment, because Guardiola says playing in midfield doesn't quite suit him, it, di- it didn't suit him. As soon as they put him into a position that did suit him in the second half, he flourished. And that's the case across the team. Ab- like absolutely across the team. Zinchenko as well. Because Zinchenko is not getting isolated defensively. And when he is, he's better at dealing with it. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. You mentioned uh, stopping counterattacks. Something that I wanted to to kind of bring up in terms of the the, the mechanics of of how City went about um, putting Liverpool under pressure, especially in that second half. Uh, there was a cute little thing that they were doing that um, I, I, I don't really think we've seen from City properly in the past. When you think about City's pressing, it always certainly in in uh, previous games it was always about swarming players around the ball and winning it back, sort of thing. Whereas you noticed with, uh, you know, Jesus did it, Sterling did it, Bernardo did it, um, uh, I think Foden and uh, and Mares did it a little bit. It was about letting Liverpool have the ball, especially letting Alisson have the ball, and then just cutting off the avenues yeah. that he can pass it on. And not, not necessarily running at him, but giving him no options to, to pass it to. And that was what was forcing him to, well, that's what forced him to belt it at, uh, was it was it Bernardo for the first one that I he made? To Foden. The, yeah, uh, to Foden. And then there was one that he the belted Bernardo, at Bernardo, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't about putting Alisson under pressure by giving him no time. Yeah, just cutting off the options. It was just cutting off the options, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I was, I've been, so I'm going to try and do some, an article on kind of City's shape and how they've been so good recently and you know how things have evolved and that kind of thing and hopefully that'll be out on on tuesday and i I started at the spurs game um and i just the spurs game that they lost the last game they lost in the league um and there was a free kick when loris had it in the box and he was about the penalty spot and he had two center backs either side of him inside the box and i think he had the two full backs you know outside the box on the wings and i think two midfielders in the middle 
and there was like all in all the gaps between those players I just mentioned were City players and he was just looking around for about it felt like about 30 seconds and then in the end he just waved his arms forward he was like go on lads let's get up the pitch because that's yeah the City are so good at that you know they're they're so good at blocking off those angles like and they, that's why it's so important that, you know, when he talks about Gabriel Jesus being a good presser, you know, Jesus won't just, in, you know, in that kind of situation, Jesus won't just go and try and close someone down because as soon as he does, he might leave the space behind him. It was, it was and, that and one with Alisson. good on the ball. It was yeah. that one with Alisson where he nearly got it off him. And, but Alisson had the ball. He must have had the ball for about 20 seconds. And it was just yeah, Jesus just standing him up and looking at him and, and, and yeah, going, exactly. like, go Because if Jesus it, had it, moved, yeah. Alisson's good enough to just the pass around him and get it into like Thiago's feet or whatever and then City got a problem so every player needs to know not to go too soon not to push you know not to leave too much space and that's why you know that's why it's so incredibly complicated all these plans and we talk about overthinking and all this but you know they will adapt that shape and approach for every game you know sometimes they'll press a bit more sometimes they'll just sit off I think they did that against Liverpool at the Etihad in July when they beat them 4-0 it was more about just sitting in and blocking those spaces and I mean it's been a bit ridiculous the narrative about City wins against Liverpool in the last few years. Like, if if you listen to some of it, it's it's like whenever City are beating them, it doesn't count. Like, oh, they beat them five nil, but you know, Mane got sent off, so it doesn't matter. Oh, they beat them four <laughs> nil, but they just won the title, so I'd forget it. And now it's, it's and I don't think to be fair. I mean, there's there's not been too much. That I, I mean, look, the, the Liverpool the Liverpool lads are not taking this well whatsoever. Can, can I tell you? Um, I, I saw a take uh, this morning along the lines of it didn't really count because uh, Alisson made those errors and all that sort of stuff. And it was like, well, if we're taking goals out that were caused by errors, then you don't get the penalty, lads, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. But it, yeah, it's like, oh, well, it's just Alisson, his, his head come off or whatever. It's like, well, and, and just, I mean, that cold feet excuse... I mean, because I'd seen a few pictures of cold feet at the TV show on my timeline. I was like, what is going on here? And I asked, and uh, John Smith was like, Klopp said, Alisson made those errors because he had cold feet. That's, I mean, it's, I'm not giving him the kind of Machiavelli and Mourinho credit for saying something stupid to take attention away from it. I just think, you know, Klopp says mad things when they, when the results don't go his way. But like, I've, I've not seen the point raised anywhere, really, in the media that, those mistakes were probably because he didn't have anywhere to pass. Yeah. Well, and, you, you but see also, like he, he didn't just boot it into the, he didn't just boot it long because, you know, this is what, you know, this is what goalkeepers are that, that in those kind of teams, Edison included, they, they not allowed to. So, but I mean, in the, in the, you know, with a, with a cold head rather than cold feet, it, in hindsight, you know, it probably have just booted it long, but he was trying to play through city and yeah, he met, he messed it up, but it wasn't like, Oh yeah, it, it, they were. Like, were they called unforced errors in a couple of places? They weren't unforced errors, though, were they? Yeah, they were. Like, they very, were, they very, were very forced. much forced. <laughs> they were very much forced. Yeah, um, I want to finish with uh, talking about Raheem Sterling, Sam, because uh, Liverpool always seems to be uh, the marker by which people judge him, rightly or wrongly. Um, mm. Certainly, his performance at Anfield uh, and. There's an element of, of him doing this behind closed doors, but equally he won a penalty, he scored, uh, and he was captain for the game, which equ- you can't say that he's not stood up to the responsibility of that game. No, it's fantastic. Um, we were kind of talking about potential match articles on Friday, uh, me, me and um, an editor. And he's like, Sterling's not been great at Anfield. I was like, no, he hasn't. He's been bad. And I was like, actually, I seem to remember him being really good. Last season, I know there was the whole Joe Gomez thing, which kicked off the next day. I was like, I'm sure I remember him being really good, and he was the only player really that kept it going and kept the fight going. And then, yeah, Guardiola was asked on Friday 
um, you know, Sterling's not been very good at Anfield. I can't remember if the, if the payoff to the question was, are you going to drop him? But it was it was something along those lines. And Guardiola was like, no, he was really good last year and that's good enough for me. And that was like the shortest answer he gave in the whole thing. Um, so yeah, there was last season. And yeah, now this, and not everything went his way. You know, there were times when it was like, oh, he's got the ball up against Alexander-Arnold again. There's going to be a problem for Liverpool. And then Alexander-Arnold just won it. But more, you know, more often than not, Sterling gave them a lot of problems. And like I say, the tactical setup might not have been great in the first half and it wasn't a great half. But the only reason that Liverpool, that City would have gone in 1-0 up at half-time uh, would have been because Sterling just ran into the box and did very well to draw a foul. Um, I suppose the other, the other time was when Foden dropped in and set Mares free and Mane came back and did the old tactical foul on him before he had a chance to dribble past Henderson, which... I'm sure Mares probably would have done, actually. Mares hasn't really got much of a mention in this. And not just in this podcast, in my article and in most takes on the game. It wasn't like, he wasn't as standout brilliant as everyone else. But like, first half, none of the none of the forwards had too much of an opportunity to do what, what they would have wanted to do. But that, that was one of them. Um, but yeah, back to Sterling. He just he just kept going and he's just always in the right place. I remember about a year ago when he kept missing like so many chances and people wanted him out of the team. Um, I was just obviously he was the only player who was playing on the left at that point anyway. Bassani being injured, he was the only player that Guardiola would play there. Um, but he's just always does the right thing on and off the ball. He's always in the right place. Um, it, I was actually frustrated yesterday when he he did do really well. He skinned about if he ran through. A, Foul like five or six players all the way from the left, and then he just had to play the ball to Morris, and it was just the worst pass. It was like, oh come on, but oh, that was probably with about twenty twenty five minutes to go, and then he just finished so strongly, a bit like Foden as well. Like just, yeah, you're right. Um, I, I wonder how much of uh, City's first goal came about because of the way that Sterling had won the penalty. You know, Alexander Arnold didn't yeah, want to off. didn't want to dive in, and then you know suddenly he's, he's slipped Foden in, and Foden forces the save that that presents the ball to Gundogan. Probably, yeah, because it's that whole thing of, you know, if you're a fullback coming up against a winger like that with pace and he's already got the beating of you before, you probably want to step off a bit. And yeah, especially in the penalty area. Um, yeah. And yeah, I suppose, I mean, maybe that took their minds off Foden a little bit because Foden was in that area to, to get a shot off. And again, so, talking about how the game developed and how, if, how players got better as it went on. When Foden missed that shot, obviously Gundogan followed it in, but I was thinking, I can't feel like you, you can score that yourself. And obviously, by the end, it doesn't matter because he did he did so much else. But at that stage of the game, it was like he's doing all the right things, but they're not quite always coming off. Um, but obviously, in the end, he was doing all the right things and they came off. And I, I thought that was I thought that was going to be like the, the old Morecambe and Wise thing. Uh, he's doing all the right things, but just not necessarily in the right, right order. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Final word on on Raheem Sterling, Sam. Uh, he's now the third player to score a hundred yeah. goals under Pep Guardiola after Messi and Aguero. Uh, he's in pretty good company there, isn't he? Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, again, this is the whole Sterling conversation anyway. And I, I, I put that in my article. I said he's got four goals in the last five games as well, like Premier League games. Um, so that's, that's obviously a good record. And you would look at that and say he's in form, but it still feels like just score more goals, Raheem. Like, just score the, not the easy ones, because the, the yesterday, that was the easy one. You know, being in exactly the right place, head in from four inches. But on, it's just that, that, that one against Burnley, when you won on one. Just score that one or pass it to Mahrez. Those are the kind of things that are like, yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to make this point when he's just joined Aguero and Messi in that company. But yeah, he's fantastic. But if he can just do that little bit extra, then it'd be so much better. And like a genuinely like world-class player that, as we were yeah. talking about probably 18 months ago, start of start of last season, that, that was very much the conversation. 
Um, it, it's gone away a bit now. Nobody's saying he's one of the best players in Europe, but um, he obviously is. Um, it's just, yeah, <laughs> that Morkeman wise thing. He's doing all the right things, but in the wrong order. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's got that potential. And if he starts adding those goals as well, then you get that proper feeling of, God, this is a dangerous guy. You know, like when Hazard got player of the year, just a guy who can come in off the wing and score goals from all over the place. And if he does that, he'll be in player of the year conversation again. And City have already got Gundogan, Diaz, Cancelo, who we've not mentioned, but um, very good. I wrote about him in the article. He wasn't trying to force things so much, and that must have been a Guardiola instruction. That must have been a, don't try all these through balls all the time, because if they get it and you're out of position, we're knackered. Yeah. So he was very good at that. Zinchenko is very good. He's not in the player of the year conversation, but he's been very good. So you've got Diaz, Gundogan, uh, Cancelo, I'm still convinced De Bruyne is going to get player of the year because by the time he comes back in probably two or three weeks, if City carry on blitzing teams and he slots back into it and they, and they start voting in like March, they'll just give it to De Bruyne, I reckon. That's that's my prediction. Um, but like Stones is probably going to be in team of the year. Um, I mean, Rodri's probably not going to be, but he's been great. Um, Sterling, if he if he does what we've just been talking about, he's going to be up there. Stirling, um, Foden's probably going to win young player of the year. Like, it's just, it's all kicking off at the minute. And um, obviously with the amount of clean sheets Edison's got, he's probably going to be in the team of the year as well. And he will get the Golden Gloves, I imagine. He's probably got enough clean sheets already to get the Golden Gloves. He's only three short of the tally that he won the Golden Gloves with last season. So uh, yeah. he's, he's well on course. <laughs> well, the thing is, and like it, the mad thing about last season was they scored over 100 goals and they kept the most clean sheets, but it was like, that is not the full story. They're a bit more of a mess than that. Not, not massively. They always had relative problems. They were still only second. You know, they were fine. But they weren't quite City. Now they are City, and those clean sheets are not a surprise to anyone. And the fact that they scored yesterday, I think we've got to mention it. Everyone was saying in the build-up, oh, Diaz is going to make a mistake, and it'll be the same old answer. <laughs> I can't believe they actually did. And I can't believe the City did miss a penalty as well, and they still won. So everything we just said for yeah. the last 40-odd minutes is just amplified in impressiveness by that. It's just, yeah, phenomenal. And look, Guardiola kicked off that answer right at the start by saying, look, maybe it would have been different with the atmosphere at Anfield. And I'm not going to dwell on that now because, Christ, you can imagine next time City play at Anfield with fans in the stadium, which is hopefully next season, all you'll hear about from Liverpool fans is, oh, well, it's different now. The fans are back in. So City, in a sense, they will kind of be asked, can they go and win there with fans? But right now and also then, they can say, look, we've dealt with you. We've got nothing to fear. And that's how I signed off my article, and it's probably the best way to sign off this. Because you can yeah. bet your bottom dollar that will be the conversation this time next year when that game's played, hopefully with fans. But City, they shouldn't have anything to fear now. There's no asterisk next to this win. It's not, oh, they've only won once in 2003, and that was with no fans. No. You know, they picked, they picked Liverpool apart. And if you watch how Liverpool played in that first half and kind of how disjointed City looked in the first half relative to the second, I was thinking this about 20 minutes in. I was like, look, this isn't, the crap Liverpool team that struggled against Burnley and Brighton. You know, this is this is a very dangerous Liverpool team and City are working very hard to keep them out. And they're a good team, not in great form, but even despite all that history behind them and the actual developing history of missing a penalty and Diaz making a mistake and they still, City still didn't go to pieces. It was a phenomenal win. Yeah. Well, uh, as you say, that's the perfect way to end this week's show. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Why Always Us. I'm David Mooney. Thanks as ever as well to Sam Lee. Cheers. If you'd like to sign up to The Athletic right now for less than £1 a week, just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod. The Athletic.